Hi, Doug. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Happy to be on Hollywood Boulevard. You were so you were so welcoming. Well, thanks. Yeah, you were a great host. Oh, thank you. It was once again one of those surprise. We're recording. Hurry up. And <laughs> Oh my God! This is like we've got like Emmy nominations. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean today was Emmy nominations day, and there were a lot of them. So I figured we could talk about some of them and and segue into uh, talking about at least one TV show um, that I haven't yet brought up that Emmys didn't go near, but but I want our listeners to be aware of. Um, I don't. Uh, well, I could talk forever about the Emmys. I don't really have a lot of Great interest to say. Um, I think, as usual, there's a ton of TV. It's impossible for the nominations to fully capture everything that was great. I think, while there's some things I was very happy about and some things I was disappointed by, getting in or not getting in, you know, there's more than 500 shows on TV now. It's impossible for six or eight to fully tell the story of what was good or significant. So in my mind, look, the Emmys, fine, fine job. Uh, what matters to me is that um, Succession got a ton of nominations, including nine acting nominations. Um, and it, it really seems to be, uh, you know, the categories it's in seem to tell the story that this was the dramatic show of the season, yeah. uh, which for me, it was far and away. Yeah. So, did, so did great they, for all. Did they match the Game of Thrones Emmy numbers, or they surpassed? I can't remember. I don't know that. Um, I don't know that it was a a record of any kind. Game of Thrones probably did have a higher toll, um, especially when you add in all the guest performers that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this had Ryan Cox and Jeremy Strong for lead actor, Sarah Snook for supporting actress. Not one, not two, but three for supporting actor Matt McFadden, Kieran Culkin, who were predicted, and Nicholas Braun, who was a big surprise. Um, and then uh, three for guest acting as well. Um, was it's it kind of crazy how they're actually, like, against themselves. Like, so many in those categories, they're running, like, they're kind of, like, running against themselves, you know, because there yeah, were a lot of nominations. But, you know, there's always a show that has that, whether it's Mad Men or West Wing or L.A. Law or Hill Street Blues. I mean, there was one year Hill Street Blues, I think it was 85, all five Best Supporting Actor nominees were from Hill Street Blues, which is insane to think about. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I don't know how they're going to do it, if it's a virtual ceremony or what, but I'm hoping that there uh, continues to be a lot of love for Succession on the actual awards night. And I'm also happy that Shit's Creek got a nomination for each of its four family member actors. Um, that to me also was the comedy series story of the season, in ter- uh, at least in terms of what the Emmys paid attention to. So good for them. I am super torn with best drama because Better Call Saul is on there. And God, I love that show. And every time I watch it, I look at my husband and I go, this is the best show on television. And well, I, I don't do that with Succession. I don't do that for Succession, which is like stupid because I love Succession. It is one of the best shows on TV. But like when I watch Better Call Saul, it's like every single episode. I'm like, they have the best writers. This is the best show on television. And this show is extraordinary. It also got two writing nominees. You know, you can get a nomination per episode. Um, 
So I think two separate Saul episodes were nominated. Oddly, only one Succession, but three Ozarks got in the writing category, which I think is weird. I that don't is think weird. O- I'm not crazy I don't about Ozark. Ozark is a great show. Um, but but Bob Odenkirk was not nominated. Um, which was Jonathan Banks was not nominated. Ray Seahorn, I thought, was finally going to get in, and she was not nominated. And those were too bad. Again, like I say, I don't consider those snubs because these categories are just all too packed with potentials. Um, but I would have been happy for all of them to have gotten in and had a chance. I think Jonathan Banks is long overdue at this point for an actual win. But um, Giancarlo Esposito was nominated, uh, and the show was nominated, like I said. So uh, those are definitely among the high achievers uh, in terms of TV this season, by far. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, yeah, Emmys, Emmys. Oh, and one other thing that pleased me because we talked about unorthodox. The mm, Netflix, yes, that yes. got in there, and I didn't think that was. I knew it had a chance, but I didn't think it had a great chance. And that got in there for uh, limited series and for actress in a miniseries. Uh, so good on you. Yeah, you know what I I thought was surprising. I wasn't expecting to see this um, in the best uh best you know best uh drama category was stranger things yeah i thought there's you know to go for eight slots there are so many things like the crown the morning show big little lies handmaid's tale whatever i kind of thought stranger things would get left out and i was happy to see that it was in there but i wish i wish david harbour had been nominated again um, I wish other categories reflected it a bit more. It was, it seemed kind of odd, especially because a show like The Morning Show, which had either four or five acting nominations, got left off that list. And mm-hmm. The Mandalorian ended up on that list. So it's, it's odd. You know, it's, you have different groups of people voting, uh, for different categories. And I'm not sure if the ballots aren't weighted, which makes everything more confusing. But, um, I was happy to see Stranger Things because I remember watching that over a year ago and I was glad it was, remembered and I really liked it so there's that I liked it but I just didn't think that it was honestly like I enjoyed it I didn't think that it was Emmy though like I it just didn't have the Emmy feel to it did you think that it was a big step down from the earlier seasons I kind of did I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy this season as much as I enjoyed the earlier ones and I think partly it's because I feel like the storyline of like the upside down or like the like and the, the the weird aliens and stuff. Like, I kind of feel like how many times are we going to rehash That's exactly, this? That is exactly what Alyssa and I had said. Yeah. We like, how many times can something bad happen in this small town? How many more times with the upside down? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the next season is at last. I do think they have run the course of the story. Yeah. Like, there's no... It just feels like if we don't bring and, in a new big bad, what is yeah, the point? And I think no matter what you do, subsequent seasons will feel like sequelitis. Uh, I just think that there's only so much story left to tell there. Yeah. Like, I just didn't enjoy it. Also, those I kids are going to be like 50 if you wait much longer. Uh, yeah. Kids grow up really fast. Um, especially on TV. But yeah, and I guess they're going to have to like miss this year. Um, or no, they do every other year. Right? Stranger Things, I, or do they do every yeah, year? Yeah, I don't think they've announced when it's coming back, but my guess would be like they're taking like two full years between seasons. 
Yeah, because of like hiatus. Well, like you know, also because of COVID, like nobody's filming. I don't know filming. what, yeah, like, don't know what the, the hell original knows what's plan on. was, but I and I definitely don't know how they are. Uh, if they have to wait out everything until there are different rules to film the new season. Right. Right. Um. Yeah. So okay. Anything else about the Emmys, or do you want to move on? I uh, I am open, listeners. If you have questions, if you want to know what I consider some other snubs or surprises or whatever, reach out to us on our our Facebook page, Back on the Block Pod, and I'm happy to engage. But I don't need I don't feel the need to go any further into into the list here. But I do want to talk about one show that was not on the list, um, which took me by surprise um, how genuine it was. And that's Afterlife, which is a Netflix show uh, with Ricky Gervais. I watched, watched, yeah, I watched the first episode of that and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it took me by surprise because he's such a cynic. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be an emotional show. And it is, it is a deep show. It's an emotional show, but one that's also very good at skirting around melodrama um and the premise for those who are unfamiliar is that he is a deeply depressed widower whose wife uh, 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 of year of many many years has died of cancer by the time we meet him um and it's about his small squad uh and you know in his uh sort of small british town at the small newspaper he works for uh which is is run by his brother-in-law his late wife's brother um, and the connections he has with several of the people in the town, um, which also includes a father who has dementia um, and his caretaker. Um, and, and in particular, a woman he meets when he visits his wife's graveside. And it's an older woman who's there because her husband, her late husband, is also buried there. This isn't a romantic thing. It's just a very deep friendship between him mm-hmm. and this uh, character. And she's played by Penelope Wilton, who most people know from Downton Abbey, but who has also, uh, you know, has one of, like, the best careers and filmographies ever. And and while she doesn't come to mind on the same level as a Judy Dench or a Maggie Smith, she really kind of has the same exact bona fides. I mean, she's a wonderful actress and this is a wonderful performance and for me the kind that like is award worthy um but ricky gervais is really award worthy too it's it's kind of quieter acting it isn't usually showy um and each season is six episodes and they move pretty quickly um and it's you know they're just a just a delight uh to watch so i I mean i think it's the best thing i think it's the best thing ricky gervais has done and it's a far cry from a lot of what else he has done yeah i remember being very surprised by it like i was surprised by the poignancy of it i was kind of just expecting it to be you know just another sort of like you know cynical send-up of you know and it just was super actually poignant and very funny and it was kind of very reminiscent of like I mean, Jesus, I hate to say it, but, you know, I'll, I'll probably get eviscerated for it. But I, I felt like his performance was very reminiscent of Robin Williams. Yeah. No, it's it's that same kind of sensitivity. Yeah. Robin Williams did the dramatic stuff, definitely. Yeah. And it yeah. leans into the poignancy without being too hard to take. I yeah, it doesn't get treacly. Yeah. No, it doesn't. 
Yeah. No, I thought it was actually a really wonderful series and one that I keep like meaning to go back to, but like, you know, but like my time is so tight. I know. You think that it might be different in these new unprecedented times, as they say, but it's different. Like I'm, I'm like reckoning time differently and, you know, working longer and finding like, no, I've just redistributed my energy and like my time management. And it's still like, there's only so much time. Yeah. Like I'm just not like, it's yeah. I'm just, I'm frankly, I'm just running out of time. Like, I don't think like to like yeah like even today like I think I watched half of it half of a show of of a Netflix show that I've been watching that I'll talk about someday but I want to get through a few more episodes. Okay, I was I was gonna ask, but okay, so stay tuned on that. It's a mystery. <laughs> oh, not. I do have something else to say about the Emmys. Oh, okay. Backtrack. Backtrack. A, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of categories. Too many, but. One of those categories is a documentary category. And do you know what got nominated? What? The Tiger King. Really? I didn't even look at the documentary yeah. category. There Why? Are, well, there are several of them. Why? But, um, Why? But it was the Tiger King. It's nominated with, you know, uh, The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary, which I found a little overrated, but whatever. Uh, again, reach out to me on back on the block pod. Um, but also, like, the Hillary Clinton documentary that ran on Hulu, they're all in the same category. That's terrible. Yeah. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. That's just terrible. I'm sorry. That's terrible. Why would you do that? What's wrong with these people? I just don't think Tiger no. King was any good. I thought it was no, terrible. It wasn't, it wasn't well constructed. It wasn't good, period. No. Oh, come on. Yeah. So since we had, you know, watched and talked about it before, I did want to float that out there. I didn't even like realize, like I wasn't paying attention to the nonfiction stuff. Um, so I actually didn't even realize well, that. There's like 900 categories. So why would you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, know, you look at that best show and actor and that's kind of it. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Are we moving on? Shall we move on? We can we can move on. Have you been seeing, watching, reading, listening to, thinking anything else on your end? Um, let's get back to that. I mean, I okay. have, I have, but I don't know if there's anything that I feel, I feel like I can. I can talk about I, exactly quite yet, like that I haven't, but, but we'll, we'll circle back around. Let's, let's circle back around. I uh, had an observation I can make. Oh, please. So uh, not about you, if in case you thought that's where we were going. Uh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I watched a movie uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We watched a movie, my beloved and I, I should say, called Last Christmas. And I don't know if you heard anything about it when it came out, but it's Amelia Clark um, to, from Game of Thrones. Uh, and it's written by Emma Thompson. And it's uh, about like this kind of ne'er-do-well young woman um, who seems to find a love connection right around Christmas time. Um, and she, had a, she has a bad heart condition. Um, and And it's, you know, she works at like, a Christmas like notions store. Um, 
and and it's it's called Last Christmas, which was the name of the Wham song Last Christmas, and it's essentially also uh, sort of like jukebox movie that shoehorns every George Michael song into it. Oh. Um, which there should be a George Michael jukebox musical someday if there are ever musicals again. But um, it's a really bad movie, is my point. It's a really poorly written movie. It's a dumb conceit that has a dumb yet predictable twist as well. Um, but my my observation is I'm watching it right now in the summer and I'm thinking, God, this is so dumb. And I'm pretty sure if I'd seen it around the holidays, I would have forgiven it for a lot of its stupidity. Really? I would have had like beer goggles for it. And I think there is a thing where we forgive movies based on the different mindset when we see it. And I'm talking specifically like seasonally. Like I think we forgive movies that are summer movies because we think, Hey, we go to an air conditioned theater and drink soda and eat popcorn and have an adventure. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. But if I were to watch it at a different time of year, I would watch it more analytically perhaps. And if we watch these dumb little really insipid movies, but they're set during the holidays and they're all about getting together and feeling good in the end. And it's, you know, there's Christmas decorations. We like will ourselves to just love it. And I think well, I would have really liked it if I'd seen it in December, but I didn't. I saw it in July well, that and it was due to. I mean, that explains the, the Hallmark Channel, right? Like the appeal of the Hallmark Channel and all of their Christmas movies. Would you watch those movies outside of the Christmas season? Absolutely not, right? Like that's, I think but that. They, I know, but aren't they producing more and more movies year round? But maybe they're not Christmas themed. Yeah, but I think the Christmas just... themes one are the ones that like they're sort of like, is their, like that's what they're known for, those Christmas movies. I'm sure they're yeah, producing I think, movies year round. I know, because... I know they have upped the number of movies they do every year, and I know they have upped the number of Christmas movies they do every year. But maybe those are not the same thing. Maybe yeah, it is I mean, once we get once we get to October, they start the ball rolling with like eight new movies every day, and that's probably what it is. Yeah, because um, like you don't and hear I am, about. And I do lean into those around the holiday time, if my you know, like if I have the time. I, I that is like perfect junk food for me. Yeah, see, I've I've always sort of threatened to get the Hallmark Channel around Christmas because I I kind of I just kind of yeah. want to see what the appeal is, but I know it's probably going to be terrible because like there are just these, you know, Hallmark esque Christmas movies on like Amazon and all that, that I've tried to watch. And I, I like, there's sort of like Thomas Kincaid presents and I'm just like, by, you know, after like, yeah, because you're watching it with a different mindset. No, but I try to watch I... it around Christmas time and it has oh, nothing, not and it just is and so terrible. Time. No, it's just uh, so terrible. Yeah. But also, we talked about, specifically the Kincaid yeah yeah but I'm also like I'm just also a cold bitch so that could be it too stone cold bitch yeah that could be that was gonna be my observation about you no I'm kidding (laughs) you're just gonna be like yeah you are a stone cold bitch no 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 (laughs) well I do want to sort of throw one thing out um because uh that that connects with Melrose Place because that's what we love to do right yes so um as I was watching the episode and Rob Estes was in this week's episode more than he was last week. And I said, you know what? I'm kind of curious. What has Rob Estes been doing these days? And um, so I looked him up on IMDb 
And I saw that he has been on this TV series called When Calls the Heart. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, what is that? That sounds kind of familiar. And then I'm like looking. And so I Googled it. And it turns out that when calls, um, which now I can't remember her name, uh, was a book. Was written... that Debbie McComber? No, it was not a Debbie McComber. It was. Um... Wait, sorry. Now I can't. Now I can't um, find this. And I think I might have, we might have talked about this a while ago. Janet Oak, um, or Oakey, O-K-E, uh, is the, is the novelist. And she writes these Christian romances, basically. I mean, she's like a very famous Christian romance writer. And curiously enough, one night, and this was ages ago, um, and our dear listeners probably don't know this about me. I get raging bouts of insomnia, like raging. <laughs> and um, they've got, I've gotten better since I started working with my Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, but this was probably like, God, this was a while ago. Maybe, how old's my kid? 16. <laughs> probably like, oh God, right? It's probably like a good 15 years ago, maybe 14, 15 years ago. Um, I was having like one of these raging bouts of insomnia. And so I, you know, turned on the TV as one does when one can't sleep. And I ended up seeing this mini series that was based on Janet Oak's book that had, hold on, sorry, I need to, I need to look this up. Um, oh shit. It had, uh, what's her name from Grey's Anatomy that was in it? Um, wait, um, when calls the heart? No, no, no. Okay, so it was a TV movie based on a different book series of her called Love Comes Softly. Um, and, oh. and I ended up watching this. And this one, hold on, I have to look this up because I keep forgetting her name. Um, it was Oh, Catherine Heigl. Yeah, Catherine Heigl was in this, in this miniseries. And it was actually not bad. <laughs> What is the when one is insomniac and like has nothing to watch, but then ends up watching like it was like you know like six hours of um of TV because it was like this mini series that kept like going like they were running them all in succession. I don't remember what channel this was on. It was back when we had cable. I couldn't even tell you like where it came from or what channel it was on. Maybe it was probably the channel that ran all the like. Little House on the Prairie, um, move, uh, you know, re, re, whatever. Bleh. Sorry, I'm just, like past my bedtime. Now. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, what uh, station? Um, but yeah. So anyway, I just thought that. that so anyway, I just thought that that was really, really interesting. Um, with that whole connection, and I think like it was one of Catherine Heigl's first projects if I remember correctly because I looked it up at the time going wait what is she doing in this movie like it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shocker um you know so it was 2003 oh no she had done well she I mean she started as a really young actress but she was in her 20s then yeah no she had done Roswell and it was before Grey's she's done like Roswell but she wasn't in Grey's Anatomy no so she she had done like Bride of Chucky but hadn't yet hit big Right, and she did do the Wuthering Heights TV movie where she played Isabella Linton. But yeah, so Love Comes Softly was 2003, and she had actually just done Roswell, and that was it, really. 
I mean, there are well, a couple like one offs in there, but if we bring it back to Wind Calls the Heart, I feel like I can do some more Melrose math. And you put me on here because because uh, you mentioned um, not not Kyle Rob Estes, um, but isn't the star of at least the, the initial seasons of Wind Calls the Heart Lori Lachlan? Oh, is it? I don't even know that. I think so, and oh, I think yeah. that they have moved forward without her due to choices made on okay. her part. Um, <laughs> due, due to choices made with her. But on the, on the 90210 reboot from the last decade, uh, there's a central family that, you know, has just moved to town, just like they did in the original with the Walshes, and the parents uh, are Lori Loughlin and Rob Estes together. Oh, interesting. Um, but also, I think Jack Wagner has been on When Calls the Heart at, yes, in some capacity. And I think Josie Bissett has guest starred on at least one of them, too. Really? Oh, that I didn't yeah. know. And I'm trying to figure out where it airs. It could be Hallmark. Kind of seems like it's a Hallmarky thing, right? I remember seeing some sort of ads for it over the years. I don't know. It's not on my cable now, so I can't say it's on a station coming up. Yeah. I mean, okay, but I'm trying to Canadian think. thing. It says it's, like, done by the CBC, but it could have aired anywhere on here, right? Like, oh, yeah, Hallmark Channel. Here it is. It's Hallmark Channel. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't watched it. I just saw, like, I just looked up that connection, and I just thought it was really interesting because, like, I had seen this, you know, Love Comes Softly, like, eons ago, and, you know, just thought it was really, um, really kind of interesting. And what was also interesting about that is Teresa Russell was in When Calls oh. the Heart. And that was just such a weird, like, thing to see Teresa Hustle and uh, Teresa Russell in that because uh, I know her best of all from the movie Horror which I have watched yeah. about a thousand times because it's such a great movie. <laughs> Teresa Russell um was one of like the biggest actresses through the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Turner Classic Movies aired one of my favorite movies with her last night, uh a really little known indie called Insignificance where she plays a version of Marilyn Monroe. Um and it's awesome. But I also really like her in Black Widow with Deborah Winger, which sounds like yeah. a movie you might have seen back in the day, too. But I, I, yeah, the movie horror is really good. Yeah, uh, the movie horror is, like, the best movie ever. If you've never seen it, it is so worth seeing. It is absolutely worth seeing. But, yeah, so it was kind of, like, this weird, like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> horror? Teresa Russell is in this Christian show. How? That's That's something. Hey, I can do more Melrose math. Okay. Teresa Russell is also in the Wild Things movie that Denise Richards is in. Oh, we just left as the conniving um, beauty queen. Yeah, that's right. And wow. if you want to bring it uh, like a bit more into Melrose land, uh, Denise Richards dated Patrick Muldoon. Well, as did Lisa Rinna. So actually it's all connected. <laughs> it's, like, it's like six you know it's, never mind six degrees of kevin i know Bacon. like you don't even need six to degrees of melrose place to, to six 
Um, but uh, the reason I had mentioned Debbie McComer going back several threads mm, yeah. uh, is because there was also that Andy McDowell adaptation of Cedar Cove that Debbie McComer had written. And that's what I also saw a lot of ads of um, on Hallmark or for Hallmark. Is that on Hallmark as well? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. either three or four seasons, I believe. I've never, I've never read her books. I like, I you know, I always see them. Like I always, I, I just she's never. And then I see like you know the the some of the TV movies that are based on her books, and I've never actually watched them. I guess I should give her a look simply because she's kind of ubiquitous in the romance genre. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to to glean other than hey, she did it and did it successfully. But yeah, I mean, that's all. It just is like like it's kind of like you know, writing in romance and never reading Nora Roberts. You're kind of like, wait, what? You know, like that's kind of how I feel. Um, although even like you know, writing in romance and not reading Nick Sparks, which I will never read Nick Sparks because fuck him. Yeah. But, you know, like I mean, like he's just like such a shit, and he like he's out, he, he's like been quoted as saying something like don't. Like, I don't write romance. And it's like, dude, you fucking write romance. What do you mean you don't yeah, write romance? you're writing schmaltz and you're, you're writing, writing sh- You're writing romance. You're writing romance. And, like, you don't need to turn your nose up at it because it's clearly been a very good genre for you. So, um, and I hate it when they condescend to, you know, basically he's condescending to his, his readers, his fans. And I just think that that's ridiculous and, like, don't do it. So that's why I fuck you, Nick Sparks. Yeah. Um, fuck but, you, Nick Sparks. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Nick Sparks. Um... But there was this great thing going around the internet and I didn't get a chance to read it. I have it sort of like one of those, you know, bookmarks, like you need to go back and read this. And it was, um, somebody like went back and looked at all like the heroes of these movies and like Nick Sparks was one of them and how actually the, the, the heroes of these movies are actually just terrible, terrible men and like, and are like, you know, pretty abusive and like, you know, you sort of are like, run away, run away at the at the heroine because, you know, and it's sort of like, and I was like, yeah, that's really interesting to see that considering like Nick Sparks is a dude and like, it's kind of not surprising that he would write like shitty heroes. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen any even film adaptations of his stuff to, to comment one way or the other. Have you read any of his shit or just now? No, definitely not. Yeah, I was just kind of curious because, like, I, I'm surprised you haven't seen any of his move, any of the movies. Like, I've just I've seen the Notebook. Oh, you have seen the Notebook. Was it awful? I it wasn't for me. I did like some of the older cast, which was mostly why I saw it. Um, no, I don't think it's like a well made or well plotted movie. Okay, I was just kind of curious. But if I remember, it's um, Jenna Rollins and James Garner are the older couple who I love, so I was oh, happy to see them. And Jenna Rowland's son, Nick Cassavetes, had yeah. directed it, so I was like, well, all right, I'm supporting the family. Oh, I'm glad that I didn't... I, I'm glad I didn't know Jenna was in it, because I would have watched it. Did you know I met her in L.A.? No. Do you know that she's always been one of my acting heroes? She is wonderful, and she's an absolute delight. She came to... I had an opening in L.A., um... I think it might have been for Brian Darcy James's The Good Thief when it went out to Los Angeles. I think that's what, um, or Connor McPherson's The Good Thief with Brian Darcy James. And she came to the opening night party, and I got to oh. basically spend the night with Jenna Rollins, and she was oh an God. absolute delight. She was an absolute, absolute delight, delight, completely charming, very sweet, so gracious. I was like, oh, my God it's general like I was totally fangirling over her and she could not have been sweeter and she was just 
an old pro. And let me tell you something. She's gorgeous. That woman is still to this yeah, day absolutely gorgeous. Um, but anyway, that was my, my, my moment with Jenna Rollins. And that was probably the, one of the highlights of my career was kind of being, you know, that would being, be a highlight for me. being with her and spending time with her and sitting down at a table with her and talking to her and just her being so, so delightful. I can't say the same thing about Lauren Bacall. Oh, no, I wouldn't expect that. Yes. Nor, would I, nor would I want that. No, no, I, um, I, I no. I can't say the same thing about Lauren Bacall. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I, uh, you know, we live on the same block as the Dakota, where she famously lived her most of her life. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, she was, she died just a couple of years before yeah, we moved in. I don't know if I would have ever, you know, seen her on the block. Um, but, but no, not one of my faves. Do you know who else lives in that building now and who I do see on the block often? Maury Povich. Really? Yeah. He's still he has around? a beautiful golden retriever. He, he looks the same too. Does he still have a show? That's an excellent question. I don't know. I want to say yes. Yeah, like, I feel like it's one of those shows that never went away, and it's still terrible. No, I don't know where they keep finding all the people, but, you know, we also watch 90 Day Fiancé, so I know all these people are out there. Oh, man. Like I just, We have like... to talk about 90 Day Fiancé separately on a different episode of uh, Hollywood Boulevard, because, my God, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to give me the rundown on that, because I'm not going near that one. Oh, yes, I shall. Oh, no. But Jenna Rollins is amazing. One of the all-time greats. Uh, I think some people may know her for playing, like, the mom in Hope Floats and and other grandma roles. Um, she has given some of the greatest performances I've ever seen, including a movie called A Woman Under the Influence, which is a favorite of mine, which is, like, when people say the real thing, that is the real thing. Is She's- she... Is she still alive? She is. She is still alive. I can't. I couldn't yeah. remember if she like passed on or not. Um, but yeah, she is. Uh, she's pretty damn extraordinary. I'm trying to think what I. Oh, she was in Peyton Place, um, the TV series in the '60s, which I love. That fucking love that. Mm-hmm. I love that book. I just love Peyton Place. Um, yeah, I mean, she's just done so 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 much, and. Um, and she's a lovely person. Yeah. Jenna, I love you. Oh, oh, just always one of one of the greats. And every actor who's ever worked with her talks about how it was amazing being around her. Yeah. Yeah. She is just one of those people where you're just like, I'm going to hang out with you forever. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've been to a couple of Q&As where she was. So I've asked her a few questions, but that's pretty much been it. Yeah. No, she is absolutely delightful. And Gloria, that's the, that's the, that's yeah. the. Yeah. Oh, she I was want. also nominated for that. That was, that's a great movie. She's great yeah. in it. Yeah, and she was married to John Cassavetes, who yeah, um, one of the one of the true like rock star indie film pioneers. Right, and and like you had mentioned, her son is Nick Cassavetes, who um, yeah. So yeah, anything okay? So, <laughs> whoo, that was a divergent. Yeah, that was fun. We definitely uh, went off a couple exit ramps there. Oh but... boy, did we! <laughs> But that's what this is for. That's why we do this. A cultural grab bag. So, hey, um, anything else that you wanted to discuss or? No. No. I don't think so. 
No, we're done. <laughs> no, you know, uh, we'll keep trying to catch up on some other things to watch or read, and uh, and then we'll talk about them next week, I suppose. Okay, cool. Yeah, and maybe I'll get through what I'm watching on Netflix so that we can discuss it. I will say, I yeah, am yes, it's very enigmatic thing. Yes, I'm not. I'm not talking about it yet, but I will tell you that I am actually kind of enjoying it. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Then it's yes. worth your time. Yes. Um. Cool. So, uh, I think that's it for us then. I I'm think that's far. it for our weekly uh, check-in. Right. So, uh, you guys, um, have a great week. Yep. Stay well and, um, you know, enjoy what you can of the summer. Yeah. And we'll be back. Uh, next week on the Boulevard. Bye. Bye.